Hello and welcome to the Divine Renovation Podcast, where we seek to inspire and equip you to bring your parish from maintenance to mission. My name's Dan, and I've got three awesome people with me today. Ron Huntley, Director of Coaching at Divine Renovation. Good to see you. Good to be here, Dan. Father James Mallon, the uh, f- founder, chair of Divine Renovation. My buddy. Good to see you. It's <laughs> <laughs> good to be here, Dan. And a special guest joining us from Missouri this uh, th- on, for this episode, uh, Melanie Smolin. It is such a pleasure to be with you. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, so Melanie, we brought you on uh, because uh, we heard about what you were up to, and we thought it was really cool. Now, last on last week's podcast, we talked a little bit about what it's like to, to be a person going into a church, but I think you have a particular uh, level of experience in this category. So you, you, you're the founder and um, uh, president of Faith Perceptions, is that right? Mm-hmm. And what yeah. exactly does Faith Perceptions do? So Faith Perceptions is a consulting ch- uh, firm for churches and faith-based organizations organizations. And our flagship program, probably what we're most well known for, is our mystery guest program. And what that entails is when we work with a church, um, we find people who are not regularly attending church anywhere to go in as first-time guests, visit the church, and then share feedback, (laughs) um, unbiased, honest feedback um, about their experience. (laughs) Everyone here is laughing right now. (laughs) We both got our heads in our hands. That is crazy. It must take a lot of guts to sign up for you to, to work with you guys like that's like uh the church that actually would agree to work with you guys that like to go through this to have that evaluation oh boy we're gonna we're gonna hear things that are gonna be very challenging to us you know that's so true um and i remember one pastor said it um perfectly he just said listen I know we're going to hear some things that aren't easy to hear. He's like, but we're at the point where we just, we just need to hear them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's really when, for the churches that we worked with, I mean, that is their posture is, is mm-hmm. no, will it be easy? Uh, maybe not. But I would say that they, they don't just hear things that are hard to hear. They also hear things mm-hmm. that are great. Um, you know, we do work with a lot of churches that do the mystery guest program that they don't just learn about their blind spots. They're also hearing things about, you know, just kind of strengths and where they're doing a great job in making people feel welcome. So, um, so there's some good things too. I mean, we've had tons. We've sent 10,000 mystery guests now what? since we started um, in churches all across the United States of all different um, all different Christian faiths. <laughs> that is amazing. You know, the beauty is they get to be anonymous. Um, I think that that's part of it. Also, you know, it helps that we pay them. So, you know, it, it's, it's actual market research. We pay them to go into the church um, and to share um, what their experience is. You know, and the fact that they get to be anonymous is very helpful because they know that the church isn't going to know who they are and that they can share honest feedback about what it was like for them when they came. And they're not going to have anybody coming up to them or identifying them in that way. What inspired you to start this up as a business? I mean, there's got to be something that happened that inspired you to start this, this, this journey off. There's a, I mean, there's several things. Um, I, you know, I would boil it down to two things. One, um, you know, my husband's in ministry. Um, we've got, you know, a, a large church. We see people come um, and we see people not come back. And while, while, and I think this is true for any church, while we know there's a percentage of people that come and they don't come back because of just where they're at in life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not because maybe they didn't feel unwelcome. Um, it's just sometimes people just reject the church and they reject the whole idea of a relationship with God. So that's one. Um, the other reason I think um, is that there are people that don't come back because they just feel plain out rejected by the church. And so my heart behind this, when we weren't seeing people coming back is, 
I'm like, it's one thing if they reject God. It's a whole another thing if they leave because they feel rejected by us. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's something that we can do about or do something about. And that's something I want to do something about. And then the second reason for um, starting this is I've always had a heart for making people feel welcome. Mm-hmm. I grew up unchurched almost my, um, you know, my all through my my younger years into my 20s. Um, and it really wasn't until I was um, almost 30 years old and had just, you know, some difficult things going on in my life where I began to explore the idea of, you know, what would it be like to be a part of church and to have Mm -hmm. a relationship with Christ. And uh, um, I can remember um, the experiences um, growing up that kind of prevented me um, from wanting to go back to church. Um, And, and, you know, what what I've said to many people is it's not necessarily that um, anybody in the church set out to make me not feel welcome sure. or reject me. Um, it was more that I didn't understand what was happening. Um, I was kind of confused about, you know, just, just everything that would happen. I and mean, this is especially true, you know, for the Catholic church and so many people don't know what's going on or how to participate or even how to learn about it, um, and connect with somebody. And then there were often experiences where I'd come in and just, um, no one would talk to me. And again, it, it wasn't that I think they saw me and said, we're not going to talk to her. It's just simply, um, they get busy with one another and with their family and their kids. And so that was the sort of thing um, that prevented me from going so long. And I thought those are things we can do something about. Mm. So those were, those were a couple of things really that were rolling around in my head when, um, when this all started, you know, a decade ago. So one decade, that's a, that's a long journey. Can you help me understand the name Faith Perceptions? What, what, what's the origin of that? It's an interesting name for the organization. You know, we just, I mean, we rolled around a lot of different names, um, but really this is about not just what people perceive in regards to um, the church itself, but just faith itself. And so we thought that it would be, um, you know, the perfect name to describe, you know, faith perceptions in, in regards to, you know, what people think of us, because, you know, the very people we're trying to reach are the people in the margin you know, that are out there, um, not connected anywhere. And so what do they think of us? Um, and, and often what they think of us, um, you know, plays a huge role in them even becoming a part of or learning more or taking next steps in the church. And so that's kind of where that came from. Our ministry, we, we, we coach and journey and, and, and equip uh, Catholic parishes. I mean, our goal is to, mm-hmm. to come alongside Catholic parishes as they, as yeah. they embrace uh, this, this, this desire to be missional. Um, mm-hmm. But your, your, your work, is it, is it focused on, on the Catholic church alone? or Are you working across dif- different traditions? So, yes, um, primarily our work has been with Protestant churches, but in the last three years, we've done more work with with Catholic churches. And I have to say, I have a real passion for that. And one of the main reasons is um, some of the some of my closest friends are Catholic. And um, I know the heartburn they have around people not feeling connected and, and the struggle. Um, and I have a heart for that, too, because I believe that God, um, you know, there are all kinds of churches, um, Christian churches, and um, meant to reach people. And, you know, I think one of the, the two barriers that I've seen in all of the work I've done with the Catholic Church is that people are not coming back for very simple reasons. One, nobody talks to them. And two, they have no idea what's going on. Um, it's not about <laughs> theology, you know, which check, is that um, they don't even get to that. And, and so for my Catholic brothers and sisters, I'm like, we can prevent that. Um, we can make a difference in that. You know, we're not changing what we believe, um, but we can change the way we communicate it to people so that they can be a part of that. So 
So Father James, have you experienced, like, is that sort of the, the common barrier that you think is, is, is in existence for the Catholic church? It's that when people show up with those, those who are unchurched or unconnected to the Catholic church and they show up on Sunday, what are the, what are the primary struggles on that first, uh, that first encounter that you would see? Well, I think we've, we've got to acknowledge that for many people, the decision to actually show up at mm-hmm. any kind of church at all is, if, if, especially if it's not part of what, what you do, is, is absolutely enormous. It's huge. And, and most people probably have done a lot of soul searching or research. They've gone online. They may, if you have mm-hmm. something that's on, online, they've looked at it. They've been on your website. Mm-hmm. And they've already journeyed quite a bit. So they're, 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 they're taking the next step. And, and to open mm-hmm. that door and to walk in, they, you know, it's said that within like, the, first, the first minute of walking into the church, people have, in a sense, have made up their minds because it's that mm-hmm. first impression. Um, mm-hmm. Am I going to be welcomed? Is this is this going to be scary? Is this a safe place? So I think hospitality and welcoming, even a smile, mm-hmm. can cover mm-hmm. a multitude of sins, <laughs> a multitude of <laughs> yeah. sins of omission. But often that's sadly the last thing that people experience when they walk into a church. Well, I mean, I think of the traditional usher role that we used to have. I mean, part of the job description, you had to be a grumpy old man and, and who would kind of growl at people. That was just that because because our experience of, of mass really tr- traditionally was this is communal private prayer. Like we come here mm-hmm. together communally, but the all the dynamic is private personal prayer. So when you come into the church, you ought to be already praying. So that's why it's to be mm-hmm. silent. And because this, everyone knew this is what you were supposed to do. The, the, the usher, the traditional role of an usher was more of a policeman mm-hmm. uh, who, if you would even dare to make eye contact with someone or act as if this was meant to be a communal experience, they would shut you down. And that's what, that's what it was 40, 50 years ago. So we still have that kind of Hmm. culture that's there. Whereas the Eucharist, it's essentially communal prayer. And there are times of intimacy with the Lord. We have one-on-one, but that's part of the, of, of where we find ourselves And many of our, of the, the, even the architecture of our churches are designed so that there, there is no vestibule area. There's no foyer. As soon as you step into the church, you are in you you're in the nave you're 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 in that sacred space and so our churches weren't even designed for that i think it's uh winston churchill who said before they're built we design our churches and after they're built they design us so uh, help me understand melanie because you live this on on a day-to-day basis why is it so important that that churches uh, that they're that they make welcoming a priority if you just think about it in in secular terms, if you go into any restaurant, you go into any um, bookstore or any business um, and you walk in and you don't feel welcome, I mean, what's the likelihood of you returning to that? And how much more important is the work we're doing at the church? Um, so it just just in, 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 in terms of importance, I mean, you know, when somebody walks into a church for the first time, you are representing God. Um, to them. And when they don't feel welcome, then um, therefore they might not feel welcomed by God. And so how important is that? I think it's hugely important. I think it's, you know, it's baseline, number one, um, very important um, that people come in no matter where they're at in life or what they're coming in for, or if they've been away or they grew up in the church and fell fell out of, you know, fell out of regularly attending, um, no matter where they're at in life, uh, they should come in and always feel that they've come home. It's fundamentally a dimension of love. I mean, Jesus himself said, I was a stranger and you welcomed me. This is one of the, the core commandments that yeah. the Lord gives us. Uh, yeah. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I think of uh, 
the letter to the Hebrews that, you know, speaking about welcoming people that reminds us that many have welcomed uh, angels unawares. Like you don't know who it is that you're actually but welcoming. And even the words of St. Benedict in his famous rule, you know, so this, this rule of the Christian life that impacted the church for centuries, uh, he says very, very plainly in his rule that, that the guest is Christ. Like when we welcome a guest, we welcome Jesus himself, that we are to honor guests as Jesus. Now, imagine a gathering of a church on Sunday morning and Jesus actually walked through the door like <laughs> like he's returned. He walks through the door and he got a grunt from a grumpy usher and told to base and ignored. Uh, I mean, we would we would flip out, right? We would flip out. And, and yeah. yet the guest who comes into our midst, we welcome him. He said, whatsoever you do, the least of these you do unto me. Amen. You know, so that that's another part of it as well is that is that we're to that's that's an extension of love the, mm. of the command to love and yet we just do such a bad job of it M- melanie help me help me understand what what are some of the stories or experiences some of your your uh, your secret shoppers is that what we call them is it a secret mystery mystery churchgoers what what's the term we, we call them we, we call them mystery guests okay. um you know I, I like to use the word um or the term guests because um i don't want to consider them visitors um and and so you know a guest is somebody that um you look forward to having come um and and they're not an intruder and they're not also um temporary right visitors are temporary but a guest is somebody welcome into your home and mm. and uh you hope that they aren't temporary so that's that's the whole reason for that that term but they're mystery guests so as far as some of the stories uh well i'll tell you i mean really one of the most recent stories that prompted me um, to start looking um, at you guys and just looking at, at different ministries that help Catholic parishes. You know, as I mentioned, we've done work with Catholic parishes um, around uh, around the country. And uh, one of the recent churches that we worked with asked us to um, help them, you know, see how welcoming they were. And so we sent over a three to four month period, 16 different first-time wow. guests to their church. Some were lapsed Catholic, um, some were um, have never been Catholic, maybe were Protestant. Uh, but the thing that they had in common, uh, the 16 guests, is that they were not regularly attending church anywhere. So they just weren't connected, period. So we sent them to different masses. And we, we did the weekend masses because that's really any church, Protestant or Catholic, that's when you're likely to see a first-time guest, not during the, uh, the weekday masses. And so um, at the conclusion of that study, what I found is that, um, and this is the first time I've seen it, but this really kind of, you know, hit home and jarred me a bit when I looked at it is of the 16 guests that came back. One of the questions we asked them is, would you come back again? You know, would you return and, and revisit this, this, this parish again? And their answer was no, all 16 said wow. they would not return. And um, when we asked them why, what were the reasons for not returning? The, the number one reason was they didn't feel welcome, um, really, because it boiled down to the fact that nobody spoke to them. They walked in to the, the to the parish. Um, there were no bulletins like you would typically see. There was no information anywhere. There was no greeters. Um, it's quiet. Um, you know, Father talked about that a minute ago. It's just quiet. Um, it was a, it's a time of, of communing and intimacy. But for somebody who's on the outside, they don't understand that. So they think there's just nobody talking to them. Right. And, um, and, and not only was there no one talking to them before the mass, um, the no one, you know, they got up after the mass and it's just like, you know, everybody rushes out the door um, and, and, or to who they know or, or whatnot. And so no one talked to them afterwards. And then, you know, to boot, there's just zero information to help somebody who did maybe want to take next steps, be able to do so. It's very insider. Yes. Um, so, 
for this parish, um, one of the things we, you know, we presented the findings to the parish council and, you know, they were startled obviously by that. Um, <laughs> they, could you imagine that meeting? And they just said, you know, we've been here for a hundred plus years and, you know, I mean, just the church has existed in this area forever. And, you know, all we're reaching are the same people, um, right. you know, Catholics and Catholics who, you know, that's the evangelization. Uh, that's how they evangelize this. And the same is true for Protestants, by the way. You know, we think, well, people will marry into the faith or they'll have more kids and that's how we're going to reach people. Um, but they were startled by it and they just said, this is not okay. This is not okay. We have to change this. And they said, and this isn't just a hospitality problem. They said, this is a culture problem. Um, And they said, um, we have to start there. That's got to be ground zero for us, that we've got to impact the culture before we just start throwing greeters up there um, and, and, uh, you know, trying to get ushers and and get friendly people. And so, um, you know, so really cool story about them is um, they have developed leadership. Um, core value teams. They are working very hard um, at uh, creating these teams, but also impacting the culture uh, through uh, book studies and through discussions and through the homily um, and the, the value of people and the value of reaching out to people, not just the ones that come in the door, but really taking a deeper dive and in, in, in doing like a ministry audit. Like how do we um, how do we how do we actually reach people? We do a lot of um, we do a lot of transactional outreach, right? Uh, where we it's really easy for churches to cock their wallets and give to something, but not to develop relationships with people, which is the very thing that they're needing. And so, you know, the success for me in this is yes, they're creating hospitality in their church and welcoming, which is awesome, but they're also really um, taking a deeper dive on how do we improve and impact and grow as a body. Mm-hmm. Um, but also and how we reach other people. Um, so how do we connect and get closer and then reach other people in a more missional way versus uh, the transactional way we've typically done it, which is to, you know, throw money at it. What surprises me about the story and, and Ron, like, I, I just think, so they actually were brave enough to invite Melanie and her team in. Like they, they, they yeah. like they were, they were already like, they had a mindset of, of wanting this to matter mm-hmm. and, and zero out of 16. Like I, I, I'm, I'm feeling and, the weight and, of that. And that often means as well, I mean, the people who are proactive in this and engaging ministries like 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 ours are usually better than average. Because mm-hmm. at least it's on their radar. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and yet when you have someone come in from the outside, it can be it can be quite scary what well, they what it reveals. It doesn't surprise me at all, to be honest with you. Um mm-hmm. and you know what I love about <laughs> You know, we just came back from England recently and went to a Stephen Langridge church in Richmond. And uh, I was going in the side door and David caught me and said, no, no, I want you to go in the front door, get the full experience. And sure enough, and they've only been in the network for a year and hospitality was spectacular. But the thing that moved me the most was I sat by myself, like there's people around me, but I was, you know, you leave enough space because you're not right up against somebody when you have a pew. And uh, mm-hmm. anyway, when I was leaving, I, I decided to leave out the side aisle. And I turned and started walking. Well, the woman must have stepped over her husband in a hurry and ran down the aisle and tapped me on the shoulder. And she said, hi, are you new? Are you visiting? And she went way out of her way to talk to me. And I told her I was from Canada. And she just, I'm so glad you're here. I hope you enjoyed the worship. And and she was just so 
and she wasn't a staff person. That was just right, a yeah. that was just a lady in the pew. She was much older than me, and and just went way out of her way because she saw. Well, this goes to what Melanie know. was saying, right? Because I mean, the, yeah. the question of it's not about so much the tactic of hospitality and making sure you've got people yeah. standing, but it's the it's culture, the culture yeah. and and then so like that's part of what what we try and help parishes accomplish is the shift the culture, right? Ron? And one of the things that 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 is so important to us, and that's why we use Alpha as a tool to help change the culture, because when you sit down with people. Uh, for 11 weeks in a row and have dinner, you become really good friends. You really get to know them and you literally fall in love with these perfect strangers and it changes everything. And, you know, Father James, you often used to say, you know, because we have our alpha in the basement and then our, our nave is upstairs where we where we uh, celebrate mass. And, and, and you'd often say, I hope what you're doing downstairs transforms what you do upstairs. And so that culture of invitation, hospitality, and, and alpha is such a great interface with the unchurched. Yeah. I, mean, I remember in the early years when we, when I started to use alpha in my churches, uh, that always struck me because, you know, when you come to the alpha, if, if we do it well, there's incredible hospitality, welcoming, it's non-judgmental. We're just lo- loving on, on, on people. There's a great meal. There's great conversation, a relevant talk that really sp- speaks to you, um, uh, g- good music. And it's like, wow. I mean, that, that if that's your introduction to the Christian faith, you're thinking, wow, I mean, incredible hospitality, great, relevant message, great music, kind of non-judgmental. I, I got I to gotta go on Sunday morning and you walk in and you get grumpy ushers, no one looks at you. You get you know, people saying, you're in my pew, uh, the music is terrible, the homily is, is not really relevant. So we've got to be careful, like, can we bridge that divide? And mm. I think the, what we experienced, the more we did Alpha, and, and, it, and it was those values were absorbed um, by by the people. Yes. Eventually, after a couple of years, Sunday morning began to feel like an alpha night. Well, let's talk about that a bit, Melanie, because what, what what I picked up on when you were sharing uh, the, just your example story was you got a, what we would call a bunch of unchurched, so people who aren't currently connected or, or attending a church. You've got a bunch of um, unchurched people to be your, your your mystery guests. Why are you choosing? Why are you choosing them? And uh, and do they? <laughs> it must be a fascinating experience for them, right? To to both be recruited into your team and then to find themselves uh, as an unchurched person attending a a Catholic mass of all things. The reason that I wanted to use those folks is because those are the very people we're trying to reach, right? You're not trying to reach me and I'm not trying to reach you, uh, but we are trying to reach those people that are not connected anywhere. So who better to hear from and learn from than, again, the very people we're trying to reach. So to me, they were like our perfect sampling um, to understand what somebody's thoughts and perceptions are when they when they visit a church for the first time. So that's my goal um, in using those folks. Was there a second part of your question? I'm just curious about what the, you, you must, with, with as many thousands of people as you've sent, out. You must have had at this point some interesting uh, stories come back from these unchurched people attending uh, oh. churches, right? Oh yes, tons. Um, you know, there's 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 we create a little like best worst list of you know internally just to <laughs> to kind of you know, celebrate and chuckle over um, things. But you know, some of the things that 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 we've heard, um, you know, of course, the sad stuff is is people walking in and not feeling welcome at all or being spoken to. Um, things like um, uh, you know. When somebody when somebody walks into church and they do see a first time guest for the first time and they're not sure how to you know approach them, so sometimes they overwhelm them or they get really awkward um, and say things like, "Are you here? You know, you know to 
you know, visit the clothing closet. Um, do you need something? Oh. <laughs> They're not expecting this. Please tell so me that's never awkward. actually happened. <laughs> oh, no, it, it's happened. <laughs> For sure, it's happened. Um, being ignored, um, obviously, that's that's a big one that we see a ton of. Um, but we also see where people walk in and they are welcomed in a way that, like you described with Alpha, I mean, uh, a good coffee and friendly conversation and it's and it's it's comfortable it's non-judgmental um i read i was sharing um i was sharing with some folks recently you know one of the stories that really um touched me recently is we had a single mom of two kids visit a church for us in minnesota and she um she does not regularly attend church. In fact, she's not even sure if she believes in God. And she shared, based on her experience, she said it was the most welcoming experience she had ever mm. had in a church. And she also went on to say, she said, and, you know, it's it's noteworthy to tell you that, you know, my my my, my kids are 13 um, years of age, and they've never stepped foot in a church in their entire life. And um, you know, the person I was talking to about that, I just I said, it made me kind of sit back and think about that for a minute. And I said, we have to remember that there are actually people that have never stepped foot in a church for a wedding, a funeral, a, a service, any of that. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was just, you know, we make that assumption. Everybody's had some sort of experiences. But the truth is, there are st- plenty of people, especially that younger generation that has not been raised in the church. Um, we can't assume that they've had that kind of exposure. So that was, you know, awesome. Um, one of my other favorite stories is we had a couple um, when we first started doing this that visited about a dozen different churches for us that we were working with. And um, they had kids and they visited all of them. And the very last church that they visited for us they liked so much and felt so welcome that that was the church they decided they wanted to keep going to. And eventually the husband felt a call into ministry um, about, I don't know, about three, four months into it. And the pastor of that church ended up mentoring, um, mentoring that, that, that dad. And uh, he went into seminary. Um, and after he graduated seminary, he ended up, he's now pastoring a church in, in Lawrence, Kansas. So I just, you know, all from being unchurched, not going to <laughs> now he's a pastor. I just love that. Um, and is that the, um, the goal of this? I mean, in a way, yes, absolutely. It is. Yeah, it's, surrender. it's the whole goal of why, why we do this. Um, you know, somebody asked me, they're like, do you tell your mystery guests that you want them to find a church? I'm like, no, I don't tell them that because if they thought that we were doing this to to trick them into going to church, they probably would not want to do this. So, I said, so we want them to feel safe and comfortable to do it. But yeah, mm-hmm. that was a real that was a real joy to celebrate. I'm really curious about well, where do you, you know, if you've worked with all these thousands of churches and in one case you set, sent 16 people to one place. That's a lot of mystery guests. And where do you find them? You advertise <laughs> in the newspaper on, on Twitter? Like, how, how does that happen? How do you find them? So, I mean, all, all over the place um, that we do online campaigns, things, things like that. But that's the when we work with a church, that's about the average number of mystery guests we send into each church we work oh, with. Because what we're wanting to do is is glean common themes. I don't want to know just what one person experienced. No. I want to know if I send a dozen people to your church, um, what what's the common themes out of that? What are the strengths? Where are the blind spots? Uh, one person only tells us whether they liked it or didn't like it, but a dozen people going, you know, we're going to be able to see if 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 the majority of people that visit feel friendly. And the reason we do it over a period of time mm-hmm. is because 
I want to know what is it like at, at, at each of your masses from week to week um, over a period, not just on one, not just on one Sunday. So um, that that tells us things like, you know, was the eight o'clock mass as welcoming as the 11 o'clock mm-hmm. mass? Um, because sometimes at a church, there is a mass. You know, I'll tell you that that, that church I, I, I shared with you with the 16 people we sent, there were a handful of people that, that did feel somewhat welcome when they came. Um, and it happened at one service only. And it really was because of the culture of the people that went to that service. It was smaller. They were more, um, they were more relational, um, and friendly and, and, and actually made it a point to, to reach out to people a little bit at the beginning of service. So, so yeah, definitely. That, I, think, um, I think that's yeah. really an important point. We certainly found that out at St. Benedict Parish a number of years ago when we worked with Gallup and, and did the engagements at survey and we were actually able to kind of, um, maybe break into the data a little bit and, and get measurements according to the different masses. Now, this is not just looking at the weekend, of course, but the overall sense of engagement with with the church. But we saw what came forth was there are very different cultures at each of these Mm -hmm. different times. In fact, you effectively have four different worshiping communities in the same building and and each of them with their own struggles, with their own strengths Mm -hmm. and their own weaknesses. So that's great. Hmm. Because of the nature of our role at Divine Renovation, I do get to, to visit a number of churches, and I also try to make an effort to to experience um, experience different uh, church communities, just so I can I can walk through the doors, feel that awkwardness, but also experience what works and what doesn't. But I have nowhere near the sample size that you and your organization has. Nowhere near. So help me understand what are some of the things, what are some of the results that you're consistently seeing from from your your, your uh, mystery guests traveling around. Let's talk to you collectively, like some of the common themes about why people are willing to return to a church. Um, So the the top three reasons that people will return for an initial visit. And it's important to to give you that distinction because just because somebody will come back a second time does not mean they're going to continue coming back. Mm, And and I'm always careful when I talk to churches about that is like to just to get somebody to return. The three things they need to experience is one. um, And I know this for I know this thing is statistically significant because we ask a question in our in our survey that our mystery guests fill out. It's called an importance factor question. And we ask them based on everything you've experienced at the church today, um, from the street to the seat, you know, to follow up even if, if somebody voluntarily chooses to leave their information, you know, something along those lines. Um, so all of that, whether it's the signage, the parking, how being welcomed during the mass, what oh, you know, whatever they experience, what mattered most to you when you're thinking about returning for an initial visit? And consistently, the top three things that we see that are ranking the highest are the friendliness um, of the church. So to feel like the uh, like like the people are friendly, and not just not just pastors or people designated to do so, but as you said, you know, the culture. Um, you know, you expect that a pastor or maybe a greeter is going to say hello to you. You know, I always tell churches, they're like, well, we have greeters, you know, and I'm like, well, having a greeter doesn't make you special. Okay. You don't stand, <laughs> any, you don't stand out from any, and most churches have greeters and most businesses will greet you when you walk in. So that doesn't really, it's important, but it, it, it's not a distinction. What, what we have found is that um, friendliness really is found in um, when folks are greeted by the people that didn't have to greet them. Like, you, you know, Ron, you told the story about somebody got up, just one of the parishioners got up and said, Hey, you know, I don't think we've met before. Um, you know, I'm so, you know, you know, is this your first time here? There was a, they took an interest. Um, and so that's the thing that really stands out in friendliness. The other two are the, uh, that are important to people are what they hear, the message, right? The homily. 
and um, and the speaker, the pastor, whoever is speaking and delivering it, they want to have sort of a, a feeling like they're comfortable with that person. Not, you know, not that they know everything about them, but they have, you know, how it is where you kind of, you kind of, how do you, you feel good about this person? Do they seem like they're okay? That kind of thing. Are they a good speaker, a good communicator? I mean, it's really important. Um, you know, nobody, nobody wants to come back to a church that's mediocre. Um, you know, they can spend their hour to two hours doing anything on a Sunday. And we're, unfortunately, we're competing with that, right? We're competing with, you know, Starbucks and, and football and in time with family and all those things. So message, pastor, speaker, um, uh, you know, the welcome, very important. And then in the opposite direction, the the reasons that people won't return, obviously, is when they don't feel welcome um, at a church to um, a mediocre experience, meaning they sat through an hour of meh, <laughs> you know, just just they didn't understand it. They didn't connect to it. And, you know, there was nothing inspiring um, to them. Uh, and then also um, the other there's actually four, four things we see a lot, but the, I just mentioned the first two, but the last two are if they've got kids, they come to a church that doesn't have very many kids or families. Mm-hmm. That is not, a, even if the church is welcoming, friendly, and they might've liked the homily, um, at the end of the day, there is a desire to go um, where people are that have other families um, because they want their kids to grow up and, you know, peer to peer. I mean, they, they want to do life with people that, that are like them. And so that's another reason that we see, you know, and if that's a hard one for churches to overcome because all the churches we work with want families, you know, they want to be reaching more families and many of them are losing them left and right. Um, and so, so that's a, a big reason for not returning. And then the last one is lack of, of any way to grow in your faith beyond mass. That's another important thing for people. You, know, you talked about alpha, you know, you talked, you know, alpha is, 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 can be a great starting point, but people eventually become more hungry for things beyond just what they're experiencing in alpha or mass. They want to go deeper in their faith. Mm-hmm. And when a church doesn't have, um, any way to build community and to grow together in faith, that's, they, they look for that and desire that and go other places for that. Build community and grow together in faith. That's so true. Like, right. It's not just an information dump. It's build community and grow together in faith, doing, doing life with others that are like you. That's so critical. I love it. I have a question for you. A lot of times when we're coaching into churches around the world, there are, in our Catholic tradition, sometimes there can be an entire body of uh, immigrants from a particular country that almost take over a mass, and so they'll have it in their language. And so you'll have an English mass and a Spanish mass or a Portuguese mass or a Polish mass, and so you have subcultures within a church. Have you ever done any work with churches like that? Yes, we have. I mean, we've been hired. If, if you mean like have we been hired by uh, maybe uh, a church who has an outreach in particular to um, Hispanic group or an African, African-American group mm. or, or Portuguese or something like that? Yes, we have. Or they wanted to see if they're welcoming um, and, and reaching people as well. Um, as far as it being mixed, like if it's a bilingual mass or something along those lines, um, you know, we try to send in Mr. Guests that are bilingual so that they can understand it. But I can tell you, I'm not bilingual. I've been to some of the bilingual masses and struggled. I already didn't know what was going on. And then I really didn't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm talking more for the not necessarily bilingual, but multi different cultures would have different mass times within the same church. Because I know a lot of pastors and their leadership teams struggle with connecting and try to create a, um, a culture that would be similar in its passion and outreach and stuff. And I just wondered what types of things you're seeing there and what kind of advice you give to those leaders. 
Well, I would say that diversity is important to a lot of people, especially that younger generation. Um, you know, the yes, do they want to go where there are people their age, but they also want to go to a church and be a part of a church that reflects the community. So if those folks are living in the area, um, they want to be a part of a church that that has that type of, of congregational makeup, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. But as far as I guess, you know, as, as far as far as advice, um, you know, what, what would I say to churches like that? Um you know, I mean, it's complex. It's difficult. Uh, mm. But, you know, being welcoming is ground zero um, for no matter what your culture is, no matter what your congregation, your parish is made up of. Uh, Melanie, you're working with with churches from from different traditions. And I'd just be curious if you see any trends that that are perhaps uniquely Catholic or you see something more common in, in the Catholic churches you work with versus the uh, the Protestant churches. Are there, are there are you seeing differences and distinctions? And if so, what are they? I mean, it's, it's certainly more prevalent, the two things I mentioned, not feeling welcome and not understanding um, what's happening in the Mass. That is much more prevalent in the Catholic Church. The Protestant Church, um, I mean, they've done a lot of work in that area, plus uh, a lot of what, what they do is is more easy to understand um, than the, you know, Catholic faith is so rich in tradition and there's so many things um, and a lot of insider stuff that, that people just simply don't understand. And so when it comes to not returning to the Catholic Church, it almost always boils down to those two things. Um, yeah, are there some people, um, you know, that, that have issues with theology? Absolutely. Um, for those that, that get past, um, you know, the, the welcome and, 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 and all of that, sometimes it comes down to theology, but, you know, our mystery guest program, you know, that's one of the things that, that we're not really about when we send mystery guests in, what we tell them is, you know, you're not here to measure theology. Um, what you're here, you know, you may not agree with maybe the faith, but what this church wants to know is, you know, do they, do they even make you feel welcome to explore it? You know, that's what they're trying to learn. So our, our mystery guest program is more about hospitality, but absolutely, I would say with complete confidence, um, that, not feeling welcome and not understanding what's happening in the mass are the top two reasons for the Catholic faith. People so for pastors or parish priests who, who've been listening and they're like, oh man, I'd love to, to, to know what, you know, what the experience is for, for unchurched people walking through my door, the, the ones that might be inclined to connect with you. What would their, what would their experience be of dealing with you and, and faith perceptions? Like, what do you get at the end? So if I've brought your, you and your team in Melanie and, and you've, you've sent 16 people and they've said all sorts of things, good and bad about my church. Mm-hmm. What, how, how do you, how do you communicate to that? What's my experience as, as the, as the priest? So if that's something that a church is interested in, doing. Um, I mean, basically it would be to have a discovery meeting and that, um, you know, depending on where the church is located, that usually takes place WebEx or on the phone, uh, what they're looking for, what their goals are in, in, in even doing this. And then um, we decide on a number of first-time guests that they want to have come. Um, and, and it's kind of a fire and forget process. Once we decide on the number, um, we'll start sending mystery guests. And usually only the pastor um, or maybe a few key leaders know that we're doing this because uh, we want to help capture church as usual, mm-hmm. right? Um, we do not want everybody knowing. I mean, if I, if I know you're coming to dinner, right, I'm cleaning my house and getting it ready. So we do not want the entire church knowing, um, you know, that that you're coming. And so um, we just want who has to know to know. And, and then we will just start sending them. And the pastor doesn't really know what mass or when, um, and, and he just knows there's going to be a number of mystery guests coming over a period of time and we'll send them. And, and when, again, once they come, they, you know, they come just as a first time guest would come, they figure out where to park, um, what door to go in, uh, you know, uh, if anybody greets them when, when they get there, uh, where's the, where's the, uh, you know, the sanctuary at? If I bring kids with me, can I figure out, do kids come with me or do they, is there a separate, you know, faith formation time for them? How does that all work? And oh, boy, we see a lot of confusion around 
on that, I would say too, in the, in the Catholic mass, it's very insider in terms of trying to figure out, you know, what's available for kids or what, you know, where kids go. So often, even in the Protestant faith, people, <laughs> you know, have like a children's message during the mass or during the Protestant faith. And then, uh, you know, mom sends the kids up and to you be a part of that. And then all of a sudden the kids are exiting out the door with a leader they've never met before. <laughs> they have no idea how they're going right. to get them back. I don't even know where they've gone. And so, you know, <laughs> I just gone through the roof. And, uh, you know, now everybody that goes there knows where the kids are going. But, you know, Rick Warren did a study. Do you guys are familiar with Rick Warren, um, Saddleback Church? Oh, yes. Uh, so Rick Warren did a study, um, you know, years back and, and uh, asking people why they don't go to church. And the top four reason listed on that was that they were afraid to leave their kids with strangers. Mm. Um, and really, we are. We're strangers. So the more we can make families feel comfortable about what we offer and invite them in to learn about it so that they do feel comfortable bringing their kids in, the better. Uh, <clears throat> so. After all of the Mr. Guests, kind of just back to the process, after all the Mr. Guests have gone and visited for the first time, um, they fill out that survey for us. And then once all the surveys are in and all the guests have gone, we aggregate that data, put it into a report, and then we hold a, um, a meeting with the church. And that's usually, again, done by, by phone or WebEx. Uh, and um, if they're local, then it's in person if they, um, if, if they want that or if they want us to come and deliver it in person. Of course, we can do that. And then we deliver the results of the report. We just it down and say, here are the strengths of the way you guys welcome people. Here are the opportunities. Here's where the blind spots are. Um, and then we collaborate with them from there if they want to take next steps um, mm -hmm. to developing a welcoming process. Like we're working with that church with, with the 16 folks that won't come back. And, you know, again, digging into culture and how do we improve this, not just mm -hmm. at the parish, but, you know, this, this happens to be the second largest parish in, the, in, in their diocese. And they've got more than just a, a church there. They've got a school there. And they said, you know, we have to have a culture of hospitality at our schools, Amen. too, our Catholic schools, not just in, um, you know, we were at the school represents the church too and vice versa. So mm. it's across the board. And so we're working with them on that and, and helping them develop a welcoming process, um, you know, again, from street to seat, all the way to how they follow up with people. Uh, you know, a common theme in our research is that a lot of churches more prevalent in the, in the, in the, in the Protestant church, they ask for people's information, right. So that they can follow up with them later. And um, I started to see, a f uh, you know, a few years into it that a that some of our mystery guests liked what they experienced. And so they were voluntarily leaving their information. And then, so I was following up with them to say, did the church ever follow up with you? And more and more, I would find that they weren't. And so <laughs> I couldn't believe that. Um, and so when we work with a church, you know, yes, first impressions are important, but, you know, uh, farewell impressions are important too. Um, farewell ministry, we like to call it our farewell hospitality. You know, people remember the first thing they experience and they remember the last thing they experience. And so, um, you know, how you connect with people after the service um, is very, very important. Very important. Melanie, it's, 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 very, it's such a blessing just to hear about what, what you and your, your organization are up to and, and the ways, ways that you're helping churches. So yeah. for churches who are, that might be listening to this podcast, what are some ways they can connect with you and Faith Perceptions? Sure. You can go to our website. Um, that's faithperceptions.com. Um, you can also call us um, if you'd like. That's uh, our number is 573-335-1782. Um, but if you want to learn just more about Faith Perceptions and the work we're doing, the website is a great place to start um, and we're available. Uh, feel free to email us. Um, you can get that right off the website as well. 
Great. Thank you so much for being with us today, Melanie. And thank you for listening and joining us. And uh, if you haven't yet uh, downloaded the Divine Renovation app, I'm going to encourage you to do so. Hit up the app store on your phone. Uh, it, it's uh, one of the things that when we were, Ron, you said we were in uh, the UK recently and a couple of the priests there said, I don't know what a podcast is. And I said, you don't need to know what a podcast is as long as you know how to download an app. If you, divine, if you download the Divine Renovation app, you'll figure out how to listen to the podcast. So, so if, if there's someone in your life that you think might benefit from this kind of information, if, if you've got a pastor, a priest, a friend who might be uh, who might want to lean into the kinds of conversations that we're having here on the Divine Renovation Podcast, encourage them to download the app. And so this is a, an easy and simple way for them to connect, get connected with these kinds of conversations. So thank you so much for being with us and joining us. And blessings. We look forward to being with you again next week. Mm-hmm.